You're listening to the Sojourn Church New Albany sermon series, Sacred, the Wonder of God's World. In this series, we'll learn to see the goodness of God's world as men and women who have received the opportunity to become life-giving people, creatively fulfilling the mission given to us by God. Now hear the word of the Lord from Genesis 2, 15 through 17. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, good morning, Sojourn. Peace be with you. Uh, It's good to see you guys. Good to be with you this morning. My name's Jonah, and I'm one of the pastors here at Sojourn. Uh, Our mission as a church is to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, build them up as his church, and send them to follow him in the world. And I'm thankful that you're here to be some part of that. Uh, Last week, Pastor Travis helped us to see God's sacred mission for our lives. Anybody ever ask the question, God, what do you want me to do with my life? You ever wrestle with the question, what am I going to be when I grow up? What am I going to do when I grow up? What am I here for? And uh, if you want to know the answer to that question, I commend last week's sermon to you. Uh, Travis answered that for us wonderfully. Um, In essence, he said our mission, our purpose in life is to do beautiful, beneficial work. Uh, He had a line in there I loved. He said, we continue the beauty of a place. We work for the good of others. Uh, We work for the good of ourselves. We work for the good of our place. Several weeks ago, we preached the same text twice in a row, the same text on a Sunday, two Sundays in a row, and maybe you listen to this and be like, man, didn't we do that last week? And the answer is yes. Uh, One of the reasons that we've done this a few times in the series through Genesis is to help you see the incredible depth of God's Word. Uh, There's never one sermon that's going to say everything there is to say about any one text. Uh, There's, it's almost like a a jeweled mine that you go into and you spend time and you work in there and you pull out a gem and then you can go back into it and find even more gems. So we did this a few weeks ago uh, and we're doing it again this morning to drill further into this text. Um, Yes, the text shows us, you could think of it as our sacred mission, our our purpose in life. Uh, Another way to look at it, it also shows us our sacred responsibility. So it doesn't just show us what we're to do as people, it, it helps us to see how we are to do that. If, if our purpose as God's image bearers is to do beautiful, beneficial work, how do we actually do that? What, what does that mean in a little bit more of a concrete way? So let's look at verse 15 again. It says, The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. To tend and watch over it. The how of be, becoming Uh, the kinds of people God made us to be, the how of doing beautiful, beneficial work is wrapped up in a a big, beautiful word that we've considered throughout this series. Uh, We've called it generative, becoming generative people. What are we to do? Beautiful, beneficial work. How do we do it? By becoming generative people. Last week, Travis rightly taught us that our mission is significant because it comes from God. If you look at verse 15, God placed them in there. God told them what to do. The purpose of your life is God's idea, so it's more something to be received from God than it is for us to go, I don't know, hunt in the woods and figure it out. God spoke, God created, God placed man in the garden for the sake of beautiful, beneficial work. 
And it's communicated. This is communicated to us through two imperatives in this verse 15, to tend and to work. How do we become generative people? How do we do beautiful, beneficial work? Tend and watch. Tend and watch. Let's look at both both these words here. Uh, Tend means to work and to serve. It's a big multifaceted word, but if you want to understand a little bit, like maybe simply, what does this word tend here? God placed man in the garden to tend it. it, means to work it and to serve it. Think about work here again in the context of a garden. It's pretty obvious, caring for the soil, caring for the plants. Working in a more a broader context is, is stewardship of what's been entrusted to you. Working the ground here is a stewardship over the Garden of Eden that God had given to them. It's, it's a physical exertion here in the garden. It's a sweaty life. So some of you, particularly the younger amongst us, need to realize that beautiful, beneficial work will be hard work. Your life is supposed to be hard. Uh, if you wake up one day and your life is difficult or your job is difficult or you've got a challenge in front of you, that's normal human living. That, that is to be expected Hard work, beautiful, beneficial work will be hard. A life well-lived will be hard. When you're working hard, you're being human. Maybe that's another helpful way to think about it. When you're working hard, you're, you're being a human. And the hard work goes beyond your job too. As far as I can tell in the text, Adam and Eve aren't getting a paycheck here. They're not on salary. So there, there are, there's work that we will do in our life that may not necessarily be your vocational occupation. Um, you ever had two toddlers in the house at once or more? Work, amen. You know, I've, no one's ever paid me to do laundry, but that's still work. Uh, no one's ever paid me to pull the weeds in my yard. Or there's any number of things that we do in our lives that are work, that will be hard, that will be difficult. A thriving marriage is hard. Upkeep on your home is hard. Raising your children is hard. So tending to your life. Tending to your life means looking at whatever has been entrusted to you, be it people, be it places, be it responsibilities, looking at what's been entrusted to you and asking, how can I get to work on this? How can I get to work on this? How can I steward this? How can I get to work on this? This can get distorted if we don't keep in mind the other meaning of this word, which is to serve, to work it by serving it. It's possible to work the ground to exhaustion, to where plants won't bear fruit anymore. Seeds won't come to life because the soil is exhausted. You can work something and wring every last drop of efficiency and productivity out of it to the point of destruction. You can consume something, but that's not God's command here. He says to work it and serve it. So the work that Adam and Eve were to do in the garden was with the garden's best interest in mind. You see that? To serve the garden, they had to have the garden's best interest in mind. They were not to look at the garden in terms of what they could get out of it. God didn't send them there and say, take as much as you can from this. Eat eat until you can't eat anymore. Build until you can't. He said, work it, watch over it, tend it. They were put there with a mission to care for the garden, to tend it, to work it, and to serve it. Another way to think about it, their posture in the garden was that of cultivation, not of consumption. Looking at something to cultivate is radically different than looking at something in order to consume it. 
So they didn't come there to say, how can I take from this? They weren't placed there to say, how can I get out of this? But rather, how can I make this beautiful? How can I be a benefit to this place? Tend, work, and serve. How can I contribute? How can I make beautiful? How can I cultivate? Which leads to the second word, watch over it. Tend, so think work and serve, and watch over it. And this is really cool. At least it's cool to me. It's okay if you don't think it is. Uh, In the Old Testament, this word here, um, the watch over it, almost always means some version of guard or protect. So it's like a a soldier standing at the gate of a town. Um, In Genesis 28, it says God watches over Jacob in order to protect him. So God is almost serving as a guard over Jacob in Genesis 28. In Exodus 23, God promises to send an angel to watch over Israel as they leave to protect them. So it's, it's not like a dragon sitting on top of a pile of gold, hoarding it, protecting it. It's, it's, it's keeping something precious to you safe. To watch over something is like a father blessing his children in bed while they sleep at night. It's a mother kissing a scraped knee. Isn't it amazing how that works? Kisses on the wounds of children seems to really work. It's a winemaker gently pruning his grapes in the cool of the evening. It's protecting something. It's guarding it. It's watching over it. So what are humans to do? Work what's been entrusted to us and guard and protect it. Maybe the most simple way to understand what it means to be a generative Christian is to just say we are cultivators, not consumers. We come to to bless, not to take. We come to build, to beautify, to benefit. Just pause for a moment and consider how would your posture change if you embraced your sacred responsibility as God's image bearer to work to watch over, to serve, to bless, to cultivate, not consume. Can you just think about how different the life of our church might have been in the last two years if we as a people had said we were going to be a generative people? If we said we are going to come to participate and bless, not to evaluate and critique. If we had come saying, I want to find someone to encourage rather than saying, I wonder if I will be fed. Isn't that such an interesting phrase we hear in churches now? So often when people leave a church or they come here from another church, they'll say, I wasn't being fed there. Do you see the mentality? I'm coming to the garden for what the garden can give to me. I'm not coming to say, how can I make this more beautiful? How can I cultivate? How can I contribute? How might this mindset affect the way you approach your relationships? If I show up thinking, how can I bless and build and beautify not what will they give for me? How will this network help my job standings? How will she do this for me? How will he do that for me? It changes everything. How would your view of your home change if you saw it as a sacred responsibility God has entrusted you to make more beautiful? How would your perspective on your neighborhood change? I want to press further in, into this idea of being generative. Um, just trying to help you. Variations on the theme. Think about this same idea in, in a, a bunch of different ways that might be helpful and inspiring for you. So three words you could think of about being generative. Uh, Genesis, generous, generational. Notice they're all Gs. Genesis, generous, generational. What do we mean here? A Genesis moment. Genesis simply means new beginning. 
generative people look out for Genesis moments. Genesis moments are new beginnings that inspire. New beginnings that inspire. The first Genesis moment is Genesis 1.1. It's in the beginning. There is a beginning. God speaks. He starts something new, and it inspires everything. If you remember back several weeks, we noticed how God said, let the earth bring forth or let the earth produce. God's work of creativity inspires the earth to bring something forth. God's work of creativity inspires new beginnings in his creation. So Christian work is meant to inspire others through Genesis moments. This means we become a people that value beauty over utility. Generative Christians value beauty over utility. Here's what I mean. People are inspired by excellence. That's another way of thinking about beauty, more than they are by efficiency. Do you think in a hundred years anybody is going to tour one of these buildings we've built in the name of efficiency? The the hundred-year-old cathedrals you fly to Europe to go see, or the whatever, the 700-year-old cathedrals that took a hundred years to build were not efficient buildings to be constructed. But generative people prioritize beauty over efficiency, over utility, because that's what stirs the soul of people. We want our work to be beautiful. Because beauty helps people believe they could be more, they could do more, they could become more than who they are. Let me give you a more simple example than, I don't know, a 700-year-old cathedral. Several years ago, I went to a friend's house who's a little bit older than me for lunch. Um, We had something to talk about. I don't remember what, what we had to talk about for reasons you'll understand here in a moment. I walked in and the house smelled amazing. Absolutely amazing. They had said they were making pasta for lunch, which at the time for me meant we were going to warm up some noodles and have ragu. And there's nothing wrong with ragu. It's amazing that they have that consistency and you can just go get it anywhere. There's nothing wrong with it. That was my expectation. And I walked in and realized this is going to be something different than ragu. Um, I thought they had hired some kind of fancy chef or that they had some incredibly expensive meal. Surely this is an upper-class privilege thing right here. And so I said, what have you done in this kitchen? And they said, oh, it's, it's olive oil with garlic and basil leaves. <laughs> they had like 80 cents of ingredients involved in this thing. Um, it was inexpensive, and it was amazing. If you want to know what this is like, go home. Put olive oil in a pan over medium heat. Put garlic in it. And then when... When the garlic turns brown, put pasta in it and then put some basil on there and watch what happens to your whole house. It wasn't difficult. It wasn't expensive, but it was thoughtful. It was intentional. It was beautiful. And it inspired. I left there saying, maybe I could cook. Maybe I want to cook. Maybe you don't have to spend a lot of money and have all of these resources to do something amazing and beautiful. So again, it taught me that beautiful doesn't have to mean expensive. Beautiful doesn't have to mean complicated. It may mean intentional. It may mean thoughtful. But that was an inspiring meal. That was a Genesis moment. Tend and watch your life by creating Genesis moments. New beginnings of beauty that inspire, that inspire others. This leads to the second G here, generous. Look at verse 16. God says, you may freely eat the fruit 
of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We tend to focus on verse 17 here, the, the restriction, the, the prohibition, and rightly so. Um, it's a big deal. But we miss the wonder of verse 16, where God says, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. The abundance of God's provision in creation is hard to put into words. Uh, it's amazing where we live that this is a, a, available to us. Go to Kroger and just walk the produce aisle. See how many kinds of tomatoes there are. See how many kinds of apples there are. Uh, how many different kinds of berries, blackberries, blueberries, huckleberries. This, the, the abundance of what God has placed into this earth for the sole purpose of bringing us delight as we eat. It's hard, it's hard to put into words. And God puts Adam and Eve in this garden and says, you can eat any of it. All of it is up to you. He puts a restriction on one tree, but don't miss the abundant generosity of verse 16. You can freely eat of all of this that I have made. So if you want to go about making these kinds of Genesis moments in your life, you must be a person that embraces generosity as a way of life. There is an abundance that is required for beauty making. Beauty almost always has some extravagance to it, some, some over-the-topness. Have you noticed that? Something that seems larger than life, wonderfully unexpected. I went to my friend's house thinking we would have ragu, and instead we got this amazing Italian wonder. Again, the extravagance doesn't have to mean expensive or rare. It means thoughtful and intentional, almost like a curated lifestyle. A thoughtful, delicious meal had been prepared. This is the way of God. It's better to give than to receive. This is the way of God. Generosity always trumps greed. It gets to the heart of watching over what's been entrusted to us. We are looking to tend, to invest, to give to something. Christians must not be people that look at what they can consume from something, but rather we look to cultivate. We prioritize beauty over utility, and we prioritize generosity over greed. We want to make something beautiful, so we give to it. We serve it. We want to make it beautiful. How do you do beautiful, beneficial work? Create Genesis moments through a lifestyle of generosity. Generous Genesis. And one of the greatest acts of generosity that we can embrace as people one of the most difficult yet most profound things that we can give away, one of the most profound acts of generosity we can undertake is to give our deaths away. Verse 17, God warns us, if you eat of its fruit, that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you are sure to die. Since that day when our parents went astray, each of us has been destined to die. This is some of the trap of consumerism, a lifestyle that says take and take and eat and eat and eat, and then you will die and you have spent your life investing only in yourself. Your death, we preached about this a lot through Ecclesiastes a little while ago. Your death is inevitable 
It is unavoidable. It is unassailable. Each of us is destined to die. If you are to live with Genesis moments in mind, if you are to become a generous person, if we are to become generous people, we must learn to give our deaths away. And all I mean by that is to live with an awareness that people are going to be alive after you. Be it your children, your friends' children, simply the next generation in our communities. Christians must embrace generational thinking. This is something that seems to me to be totally lost on us presently. We live with an awareness. When you take care of your home, you live with an awareness that an image bearer of God will live in your home after you die. You treat this town this neighborhood, the parks, the the environment, you treat it with an awareness that image bearers of God will live here, play here, work here, raise families here, build here after you die. An an image bearer of God will walk Mount St. Francis after you. An image bearer of God will swim in God's oceans, will walk the halls of the buildings we build, will smell the roses of the gardens that we tend, Generative Christians commit to leaving our place better than we found it, more abundant, more beautiful. So we live preparing to give all of this away to our children. Everything that we build, everything that we beautify, everything that we create, we do so with an awareness that we may not be the beneficiaries of it. We are building something that will pass on into the generations. Let me try to connect some of these dots here for us. How might we view New Albany, Indiana, if we believe some of the opposites of this? How might we approach our town if we believe that we are consumers solely meant to get pleasure out of life, that there's not enough to go around, so we have to look out for ourselves, and that it doesn't matter who comes after me? Can you see what we might do? Can you see what we have done to our world, to one another? Can you see how twisted we become when we think life is only about pleasure, that there's not enough to go around, and that it doesn't matter who comes after me? You see how this might affect the way we view the environment? Can you see how this might affect the way we view a retirement account? Could you see how this might affect the way we view the homes that we build? how it might affect the way we buy groceries, the way that we interact with children. Too many of us, too many of us are living a life that will leave this place less fruitful than we found it. Too many of us are looking at life only in terms of what we can consume. And this is not the way of Christ. This is not the way of his people. God's people, his true image bearers, seek to work for Genesis moments marked by generosity that will bless future generations. So what is your mission in life? Work the earth and watch over it. Genesis moments, generosity, generational thinking. This applies to everything. 
This applies to everything, whether it's taking care of your yard or sharing the gospel, raising your children or paying your taxes. This is the pattern of God to inspire through generosity that extends to generations. This is the pattern of Christ to inspire through generosity that extends to generations. Do you not see this in Jesus's gospel? To create something new, how? Through acts of generosity that will inspire generations. The generosity of God to create a world is superseded by the generosity of God to come and live amongst us, to live a life fully alive for us, to live a life where he doesn't cling to his rights or privileges or riches, but he gives them freely and abundantly, even to the point of giving his death away. This Genesis moment the death of Christ, the generosity of God to give his very life away. This Genesis moment has given way to the greatest works of art the world has ever known, the greatest relief of suffering the world has ever known, the greatest hope for the future the world has ever known. Nothing has had more impact on the world than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what is the pattern of that? A new beginning marked by generosity, with the generations in mind. If this is the way of God and the way of God's Son, then it must be the way of God's people too. So every week, we root ourselves in this stark, stunning picture of God's generative nature by calling our minds to the night when Jesus was betrayed. He took a loaf of bread. He thanked God for it. He blessed it. And then he broke it. And he said to his disciples, this is my body given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. In the same way, when the meal was over, he took a cup of wine. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant sealed with the shedding of my blood. Drink this as often as you eat in remembrance of me. We have a sacred responsibility to create Genesis moments through acts of generosity that extend to generations. So now as God's people, let's receive again the pattern and power of your God, receive the inspiration of this moment, and then together we will go and be like our Father in heaven. Thank you for listening. Keep in touch with Sojourn New Albany on Facebook or download the free Sojourn Collective app for iPhone or Android where you can see our full library of sermon series audio and video, discussion questions, event calendar, ministries, and much more.